Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of August 26th through September 8th. That is a nice, even seven days. Uh, we're catching up from the last last week where we did not have an episode, as you have noticed. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Unhappy home designer. And Ben LeMoreau. <laughs> What's going on, everyone? So, uh, yeah, this week we're catching up from uh, no episode last week, so we've got two weeks of news to get to. Uh, hopefully we've done a good job uh, highlighting the, the most important parts. And then after the break, we're going to talk about a few things. Pokemon Shuffle recently came out on iOS and Android, so we're going to be talking about that. Uh, we're going to be talking about Super Mario Maker reviews, uh, like impressions and, and, and the, the good press surrounding the game. And then we are going to talk about the future of Nintendo Directs in a post-Iwata world. So, stay tuned. In the meantime, let's jump right in with the biggest story of the week that we missed. Um, we got a big surprise when Nintendo announced a Shovel Knight amiibo. We've got pictures of it on Gamnesia. There's concept art showing off some different poses they had in mind. Nintendo's first indie amiibo will unlock a co-op mode, exclusive challenge levels, new relics and abilities, customization options for Shovel Knight, and a level up system. Uh, this is all exclusive content for Nintendo platforms, remember. This is the first amiibo that's only licensed by Nintendo. They're not manufacturing or distributing it. Uh, in fact, it's produced in the same factory as Disney Infinity figures, so hopefully that means there are not going to be shortages. After it was revealed, Nintendo's Damon Baker said that they are open to more third-party and indie amiibo, and that more Shovel Knight content is coming to Nintendo platforms. Uh, so, if they're making it in the factory, I guess that means they're not hand-making this one. So, yeah, I, I, th I think <laughs> I your, so. <laughs> your statement about shortages is, is probably on point. Um, <laughs> I honestly wasn't too surprised. I mean, we've talked a lot on the show about how Shovel Knight is really Nintendo's uh, best hope, I guess, when it comes to uh, indie representation, because it's such yeah. a Nintendo-like game. I guess what shocked me is how they're going all out in terms of the kinds of stuff it unlocks. Like, this is way beyond anything we've seen in yeah, Amiibo I mean, do before. This is huge amounts of content, and this is content that, honestly, I'm I'm surprised there's not more outrage over this, because this is a co-op mode, like a level-up system. This is a ton of really robust uh, game content that's being locked behind the Amiibo. Now, granted, hopefully the Amiibo won't have these insane shortages like Nintendo's, so it's a lot less frustrating to be able to unlock these things. But, you know, I'm surprised that people aren't more upset that it's exclusive Nintendo content for stuff like a co-op mode. You know, stuff like that is... That's huge! Yeah, I'm a little concerned because, um... I mean, it's great that it's being made alongside Disney Infinity figures and not being made by hand, but I, I kind of have this fear that Nintendo's going to underestimate the demand for these Amiibo and that there's still going to be shortages. But I think one cool point to think about is this isn't just like a figure that 3DS and Wii U owners are going to want because, you know, even if it doesn't unlock extra content like the Xbox and PlayStation versions and so on, this is a really popular game. And I think you're going to see some non-Nintendo fans wanting to buy this Nintendo product. Yeah. yeah. For me, that's that's one of the most interesting things about the move is this isn't an Amiibo that was likely planned before the game came out. This game's been out for a good long time and it's come out on multiple platforms and it's only now that they're uh, releasing an Amiibo. So it seems like, you know, they're basing the decision to even approve an amiibo in the first place on how popular the shovel knight character is yeah. um and and i think that sort of alleviates some of my concerns about the way that they're tying so much stuff to it is 
this is stuff that kind of was just added in after the game had already kind of released and, and taken on its life on other platforms. So this is stuff that wouldn't have existed probably without this push for a Shovel Knight Amiibo. Uh, probably, uh, yeah. Uh, Damon Baker talked about how they uh, they worked with Yacht Club Games to develop like exclusive Nintendo features. They said specifically they didn't want to do the crossover characters like Battletoads and Kratos because they didn't want to sort of jump on a bandwagon. They wanted to do something uh, that was really unique for Nintendo. Another th- silly thing that I that I noticed from this is uh, someone from Yacht Club Games said, and it's, it's true, this amiibo is the first time that we've ever seen Shovel Knight's butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's yeah, a 2D not character. Artwork, not in the, yeah, <laughs> so I, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like a 3D model. I've got to say, I honestly don't think that this amiibo looks as good as Smashified, that render of Shovel Knight. I thought that really nailed the... Yeah, and I think a lot of it... A lot of it has to do with the pose he's in, too. He's in this very, like... It's really static. They yeah, had, exactly. I mentioned earlier, they had some concept art, and the poses were really dynamic and really cool, and I think they should have gone with those. Yeah. But also, I think the proportions of his body are just a little uh, jarring. They do look closer to the official Shovel Knight art that Yacht Club Games made, but uh, I don't know what it is. I just don't think that that translates well into a 3D... Um, like, I don't think the official art of Shovel Knight looks that much like what i picture as shovel knight yeah and, and you compare them to the other amiibo poses specifically for the smash bros characters they are all very dynamic poses and this one looks kind mm-hmm. of more like the uh, second string mario amiibo poses where they're not yeah. really as exciting but but they still show the mario incarnations of these characters mm-hmm. that, that's that's sort of the feeling i'm getting from the shovel knight yeah anyway we've got to move on uh we've got to try to get a bunch of stuff into a small amount of time so on top of that there's also a report from nintendo life claiming that several industry insiders say that shovel knight is going to be dlc for super smash bros nintendo life is officially labeling this as a rumor but they say it's been corroborated by several of their sources and shovel knight is expected to smash the earth sometime within the next two months you know if Uh, they were to include shovel knight and smash i could see them doing a actual nintendo made amiibo where he might get one of those more exciting poses because it's you know it's a smash bros pose um Mm -hmm. so yeah i'd be a little frustrated if i had to buy two shovel knight amiibo (laughs) i mean i I guess i could probably just wait and just get the smash bros one later they would probably just have the same chip inside yeah like the mario ones from the mario series yeah yeah I mean, yeah. I would have to get two shovel knights. I was going to say, I'm not, a, I'm not a collector like you, Colin. <laughs> you, you will feel compelled. You wouldn't have to. I would have to. <laughs> Colin will also get the silver shovel knight amiibo and the gold shovel knight amiibo. Oh, God. Don't even remind me that the modern Mario amiibo. We'll talk about this later. Ugh. Um, so in a surprising revelation, Shigeru Miyamoto apparently told Eurogamer back in July that Pikmin 4 is in development and very close to completion. The interview was under embargo until very recently, but that is all the information we know. We don't know what console it's for, the release window they want, any details about gameplay or anything, just that it's coming and it's almost finished. Yeah, this, that, that actually is a big surprise. I didn't think they'd make another Pikmin so soon. Um, I kind of did. I like, I, I'm not surprised to hear this. I am surprised in the way we heard it, and I'm surprised... I mean, it's just something I didn't expect at all, but hearing it, I am not at all surprised. I suppose. So, do we think this is uh, for Wii U? Do we think it'll be, like, an NX launch title? Or could they finally make that 3DS spin-off Pikmin that they've been talking about for years? I don't think a core entry in the series is going to be a 3DS thing. I think that's going to be more like a smaller game or a remake of the first one or something like that. 
I think if it's Pikmin 4, it's going to be home console. Question is Wii U or NX, and I could see it go, going either way. Just Maybe it'll be a cross-gen title. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that yeah. that, that actually wouldn't surprise me if the bulk of, of next year's lineup were mm-hmm. NX cross-gen titles, not just Zelda like we've been talking about. Right. Um, also, this, is, this seems like a financially kind of a good move, even though Pikmin's not a big seller, just because they took like five or six years to develop Pikmin 3, and that's a lot of resources yeah. for a single game that only sold, what, like a million copies? Yeah. So, but, you know, now they can presumably use that same engine with maybe a few tweaks and produce a, a sequel pretty quickly and pretty mm-hmm. affordably. Right. Which, you know, will sell a million copies again with a much, much smaller budget. That's kind of a good lead into my biggest burning question, which is how are they going to follow up Pikmin 3? Like, is it going to be a fully cooperative campaign or are they going to focus more on for. a competitive, more competitive online multiplayer type of thing since it is a strategy game? Also, like, would be great. I'd love to see that be the, the focus. Um, I was recently on uh, Game Explain did a discussion about Pikmin 4, and I was on that with uh, Game Explain and the Bitblock. And Josh Thomas uh, mentioned the dungeons from Pikmin 2, how much he loved those. Um, and I don't personally like the dungeons very much. Or, I mean, I like playing them, but I didn't like how intrusive they were on the campaign. But we came up with this idea that of a separate dungeon mode, where it's sort of a roguelike. Um, he was thinking maybe even they could have a dungeon editor, um, which might be too robust for pikmin 4 especially if like ben you said they might they're probably trying to do a low budget thing but point is you know a side mode where you can do the dungeons and that being its own robust thing for people who like those and then having the campaign i think that could be really cool Mm. yeah i would love playing dungeons if it were in that kind of setup and not as part of the story well yeah the dungeons that we got in pikmin 2 are more gauntlets which like you said was intrusive especially since the game itself was very exploration driven um I personally would love to see dungeons more integrated with exploration, where maybe a dungeon actually is a pathway to a different part of the map. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe you discover new zones by going through dungeons as opposed to just upgrading your ship. Like, there's a lot of a lot of things that I'd love to see them do with dungeons that actually integrate them better into the single player. That's fair. That's fair. Shigeru Miyamoto has revealed that he is open to making another Super Mario Galaxy game, but not until their next console generation. He reiterated that it's tough to balance 3D Mario being too disorienting for the more casual 2D Mario audience, and 2D Mario being a more inclusive game, but sort of alienating those who want more of a challenge because it's a lot easier. Uh, But as he says, as the hardware technology gets better and advances, I think there will be a lot of opportunity for both options. You know, I'm hoping this is something where they already have something in the works, because I remember a few months ago, um, I don't believe it was Miyamoto, but it was, you know, some other well-known Nintendo executive said something along the lines of, we're making NX because, you know, we have ideas for new games that don't, that, you know, wouldn't work on Wii U. We have new ideas that require new hardware. And we're seeing sort of similar language here, but in the reverse, in that, you know, if we get some exciting new hardware, then we'll come up with an exciting new uh, 3D Mario idea. So I'm hoping they already have something in the works, since we know NX is already in the works. Personally, I'm hoping they look at this next generation or whatever they're doing next as their opportunity to kind of really nail what makes 3D Mario and 2D Mario different. Um, Because I feel like a lot of the talk last generation about 3D Mario was about how can we make 3D Mario appeal to this massive audience of 2D Mario fans. But I think at some point they're just going to have to be okay with the 3D Mario audience being different and smaller than the 2D Mario audience. Like my sister-in-law tries to play Galaxy in 64 and she she just gets dizzy. So, they, I mean, they've refined the camera system over the years and that hasn't helped. Uh, she tried 3D World and she couldn't really get into it even though it has a fixed camera and is kind of more side-scrolling in that sense. 
and, and that doesn't mean that they're they're bad quality games. It just means that 3D Mario isn't for everyone. So I'm hoping they finally take the chance to kind of put them on their own separate trajectories, kind of like uh, the the more Super Mario Super Mario 64 Super Mario Galaxy track can continue more in that direction, and the 2D Mario games can kind of continue in the direction of Super Mario Maker and not not try to converge the two like they've been doing over the last you know decade or so. I really hope that you're right, and I really suspect that you're wrong as long yeah. as uh, Shigeru Miyamoto <laughs> is in charge. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the depressing truth of it, you know. <laughs> well, in addition, the head of the Mario series, Takashi Tezuka, says he plans to keep making both 2D and 3D Mario games. Uh, one of his specific ambitions with 2D platformers is to make a game that tops New Super Mario Bros. He also says he'd love to work on a game that isn't related to the Mario franchise, but I think the bigger story here is that Mario Maker isn't going to be the end of the Nintendo-made Mario levels, as some people have wondered, but rather it's going to be a sort of bookend on the new Super Mario Bros. style so that Nintendo can move forward with 2D Mario, get new ideas in there, really really liven up, liven up that trajectory of the series. Yeah, and you know, people say, you know, well, why, why would they make more 2D Mario games when they've already given fans the ability to make it themselves, but... You got to keep in mind, Wii U has only sold 10 million units. You know, that's that's a very small fraction of the potential, you know, Mario user base. So just because, you know, yeah. there's a, a Mario creating tool on Wii U doesn't mean there's no more market for 2D Mario games. Well, well plus, and I, I would hope that their last 2D Mario game wouldn't be the mashup of all of our previous 2D Mario games. Because it feels like one of the problems people have with the new Super Mario Brothers series is that it's been stuck in this content rut where we haven't really seen truly new worlds, truly new characters, except for Nabbit, I guess, uh, truly new enemies and, and that sort of thing since the new Super Mario Brothers came out. Uh, and so it, it seems to me like the, the 30th anniversary Mario Maker thing is a nice send-off to everything they've done before, and hopefully that means mm-hmm. they're going to actually make a new Super Mario Brothers that isn't that isn't new Super Mario Bros. That isn't just old Super Mario, Mario Bros. in a new gritty skin. reboot. Yeah, gritty reboot. Yeah, I mean that, <laughs> that, if, that would be that would be fresher than new Super Mario Brothers. Um, I personally would love to see a modern take on sprite graphics, Ooh, and yeah. and with you know them bringing back nice. Super Mario Maker, that would be a great opportunity to do that since people will sort of had their love for those styles rekindled, and and now they can make a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, but like like we tend to do on the show, it's probably probably just wishful thinking and won't actually happen. Moving on, Minecraft is available on basically every video game platform imaginable, except Nintendo's. Don't get excited. Don't get excited. (laughs) Okay, yeah. But now Telltale is bringing Minecraft story mode to Wii U. Uh, We know recently, actually, Mojang said, or Mojang apparently it's called. That's Swedish, right? I think so. Uh, But they said that they would love to bring Minecraft to Wii U and 3DS. Um, I don't know why they aren't yet, if they want to, and I'm sure Nintendo would love it. Well, I mean, but, it's uh, at least there's story mode. At this point. I think part of it is Nintendo needs to pony up the money. Yeah, could be. Because <laughs> I feel like that's what Xbox had must have done, given how long the exclusivity period was. I feel like PlayStation had to have done that at some point, either that or built off of the success of the Xbox game. But yeah, Nintendo doesn't have the install base. So, you know, it's, it's cool that we're getting some representation from the franchise on Wii U, but why not actual Minecraft? No. And why this before well, actual Minecraft? Yeah. Did, yeah. They, did they think there's more of an audience for story mode than regular Minecraft? Well, so I was looking up... I had the same question when I saw this story, and I was looking up Minecraft story mode, and it is developed and published by Telltale. It's not published by Microsoft. So I think they're just licensing the IP to Telltale who's publishing the game, and that could be why. They might say... They might be thinking, well, there's a huge 
like potential audience for Minecraft on Wii U, why don't we bring story mode to Wii U? Because, you know, that's a great, great platform for the kind of game that Minecraft is. And so I think that's sort of, I think that's why, is that Telltale's publishing it, not Microsoft, not Mojang. Oh, so props to the Telltale for recognizing that, because Microsoft yeah. doesn't seem to... Yeah, it just seems like they could make so much easy money just by licensing it out to Nintendo. But. Well, I don't know that it. I don't know that that's Microsoft's decision because we know, like, Marcus Person Notch, the creator of Minecraft, he laughed at the idea of bringing Minecraft to Nintendo platforms. I don't know why on earth he did because that is an extremely lucrative platform for Minecraft, but he did. Um, and so you know there must have been some residual attitude within Mojang that they weren't going to try to bring Minecraft to Nintendo platforms. Right, but I mean, he's gone now and the current CEO Well, right, wants that's what I'm happen. saying about re- that's what I'm saying about residual uh like a residual attitude. And so it just it just the stars didn't align that they were going to try to make one and and uh now that Telltale is publishing story mode, they were able to beat Mojang to the punch and maybe Mojang is working on bringing Minecraft to Nintendo platforms, but I think because they had to do a little bit more work I mean, I, this is just speculation, but... I kind of imagine they'll uh, see what the results of the story yeah. mode is and then go from yeah. there. So we've got some interesting 3DS editions coming out soon, including a Hyrule Edition new 3DS XL. It looks just like the Majora's Mask one, but with a Hylian crest on the front instead of Majora's Mask. Uh, but it launches October 30th, a week after Zelda Triforce Heroes, but it is just the standalone system, no game included. Yeah, uh, not gonna lie, I pre-ordered one. Uh <laughs> Even though I already have and plan to continue using my Majora's Mask 3DS. Uh, and even though my wife doesn't really play 3DS, even though she has another limited edition Zelda 3 Alex, why would you buy so many different iterations of a Nintendo product? <laughs> I don't know. And then the question is how many... Imagine. I know, it couldn't be that I used to write for a Zelda site that we're affiliated <laughs> with. It couldn't be that I married someone who I met on a different Zelda website. Can't have anything to do with that. But yeah, I don't plan to use this thing. I just, I just kind of want to add it to my little Zelda shrine that I have in my house. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the way I am with every amiibo that I own. Um, but meanwhile, the smaller-sized model of the new Nintendo 3DS is finally coming to North America. Um, that comes out on September 25th, but the catch is that it's only available as part of an Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer bundle. It includes the DS, the game, two faceplates, and an amiibo card. So it comes out to a pretty decent price at $220, but it does beg the question whether we'll get a standalone smaller unit that isn't part of this Animal Crossing bundle. Yeah, and I really hope so, because, you know, I'm sure there's a pretty big audience for people that are going to want to buy this for Animal Crossing, but there's also going to be people that just aren't interested in Animal Crossing, and this is, what, uh, normally like a a $170 Mm -hmm. product, like roughly in other countries. And, Something like that. Yeah, and they have to pay two twenty if they want to get it here. So I really hope that we see a bundle, and I'm sure we will. You know, a few months down the road, maybe just in time for the holidays. Yeah, the fact that it's only part of a bundle is really weirds me out because I thought one of the reasons they would have been waiting on it is to release it at an even lower price point than uh, it would have been had they just released it at you know one seventy or whatever. But then they go and re- they release a bundle that costs more than the three DS XL actually costs. So it's not a matter of trying to hit a lower price point that kept them from bringing this thing over. It's they just wanted to use it as a Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer sell. Like, well, I, I think also that the the Animal Crossing audience is, I think, going to be a lot more likely to buy the, the faceplates and all that. Yeah. So I do see. I mean, I do see that overlap. You know, Animal Crossing is a lot about customization and a lot about relaxation. And I think that is sort of you know the idea of the new 3DS, the smaller one, is the faceplates, the customization the the personalization 
and that that touch that you give to your own system. So yeah. I think that is smart. I just I also think they should release it. Uh, Definitely, it, it's not the timing that throws me because coming out at the same time as Animal Crossing, like you said, makes perfect sense because of the faceplates. It's it's the price point that they're selling it at that that blows my mind, especially since well, it they, is a bundle. It's got well, I mean, haven't they sold bundles of... that don't have an added price though? I mean, this comes with an yeah, amiibo, but, but this comes with an amiibo card and two faceplates, which are like ten bucks a piece, and the full game, which is like forty again. So I mean, it's. It's a pretty reasonable price, honestly, for what's included in the bundle. I think that just the difference, <clears throat> excuse me, the difference uh, is just that they're including extra stuff in the bundle. As Nintendo would say, it's not about the price, it's about the value. Yeah. Well, but also, I mean, Happy Home Designer is a new game. They don't, when they release bundles like this, they don't put new games in the system for free. Uh, they only do stuff like the Mario Kart 7 bundle for the normal price of the 3DS once Mario Kart 7 has sold a ton and they can be satisfied with giving it away for free. They're not going to give Happy Home Designer or faceplates or Amiibo cards away for free at launch. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I, I saw Happy Home Designer as this, even even given that it, it comes with full-price game content, I saw it as such an Amiibo-driven game that I guess I figured yeah. maybe they'd make up the money on the Amiibo and not worry about... But, but you know, that's their prerogative, not mine. Right. Speaking of bundles, though, we know Super Mario Maker is getting those two 8-bit Mario Amiibo alongside it, uh, one with the original Super Mario Bros. sprite colors and one with the red shirt and blue overalls that Mario wears today. Turns out you can only get that modern-colored Mario Amiibo as part of a bundle with Super Mario Maker, and it's a full-on Wii U hardware bundle, so if you want that Amiibo, you're going to have to plunk down something like 300 bucks. Um, it looks like this is only true for a limited time, as the description does say at launch, um, and not it you know it doesn't just leave it at that that it's exclusive um but that much is really just speculation all we know for now is you can only get it in the wii u bundle yeah if you ask me the only exclusives that should ever come in a hardware bundle are special hardware i mean i get that amiibo are technically hardware but you shouldn't force people to buy an entire console just to get an item that normally you'd see sold separately like an amiibo uh, especially an amiibo given how the shortages have been and given how few they seem to produce yeah yeah, Nintendo does a lot of apologizing for fan frustration, but then they do stuff like this, and it's like, eh, you know, it's kind of hard to take it seriously. Yeah. But, you know, I agree that this isn't a permanent thing, so, you know, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think people are going to be upset for, you know, a month or two, and then Nintendo will come out and give another, well, not necessarily apology in this case, but, you know, give another announcement, say, oh, you know, we're releasing it for everyone else, and everyone will be happy again. So, for now, you guys can grumble and complain. <laughs> Pokemon's marketing director teases, quote, lots of stuff coming for Pokemon in 2016, but he refused to give any more details. We know Pokemon Tournament is coming to Wii U, and there's an upcoming movie that teases new Pokemon coming soon, but otherwise it's silence. There are no plans to bring Pokemon's arcade cabinet to the West, so we're just left to speculate. What do we think this means? Nobody? I don't know. All right. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I'm going to make the call. That Pokemon Yellow is getting a remake next year for 2016. I would be uh, very down with that. Yeah, and if that doesn't happen, then they are making a huge mistake. Um, it's the series' 20th anniversary, so it's the perfect time to revisit the region and the story that started it all. And Yellow Version's whole Pikachu thing is a great way to celebrate the series. Uh, it's got Team Rocket, it's got all the original starters in one package. Um, you know, it's got the Pokemon following behind you, which people have been calling for since Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Um, you know, since Black and White ditched that. And of course, they could work in plenty of post-game content and mega evolution and stuff to refresh the Kanto adventure. Um, 
I could see them trying to make something like Pokemon Z, the 20th anniversary celebration, but it really wouldn't be the same. Uh, I'm down with that as long as they make uh, Surfing Pikachu and eSport. <laughs> uh, that would uh, be interesting. Yeah, I forgot about the mini games actually. I kind of uh, don't feel like uh, Pokemon Z would be their 20th anniversary thing. I think it's almost been too long maybe and the, the ship has sailed on Pokemon Z after we got you know Black and White 2 instead of I don't know Pokemon this... Gray. But... Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it could be actually Right, so I mean, it's, it, they finally bucked that trend and now there's actually been, you know, a a little more time like well by 2016 there'll be more time post x and y than there usually is before the third version of a game comes out um but no i really like your idea of a, a remade pokemon yellow i know some people might complain and say oh you know they already remade it once and they're you know, trying to grab cash or whatever but like you said there's lots of new ways that they can spice it up in terms of adding new pokemon and story events and things like that but also just for me a big selling point one of the reasons that i like soul silver better than fire red by a little bit is because Soul Silver, uh, Soul Silver has the modern fighting mechanics, and Fire Red does not. So being able to go back and play the first gen with all the updated mechanics would be awesome for me. Yeah, and it wouldn't necessarily be something like you know Raging Fire Red or Growing Leaf Green. Like that kind of gets ridiculous. But they haven't right. remade Yellow before on its own. So remaking Yellow, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a nice compromise. Yeah, uh, and they don't have to do the two game thing. And a nice surprise too that they could do, given that Ash is this kind of multi generation character, is they could have him go to maybe Johto as a as a nice callback to uh, to Gold and Silver. That would be interesting. Yeah, add a whole extra quest. It sort of, it, it would sort of become a sequel to to Leaf Green and Fire Red in a, in a sense, mm-hmm. uh, given that you know according to Gold and Silver, there's stuff that happened between, and he wound up in Johto, so. On a previous episode of this podcast, we talked about a report that suggested NX would be weaker than PlayStation 4. This info came from Unseen64's Liam Robertson, also known as Tamaki, who didn't name the source, but said he was, quote, absolutely sure that they weren't trying to compete on power. Uh, The story spread faster than Robertson anticipated, and in an open letter he posted on Twitter, he says he felt very anxious about the situation and had to clarify. He says his source, who should remain nameless for obvious reasons, is an employee at NCL, which is the core branch of Nintendo in Japan. Robertson asked him if NX would be a PS4 clone in terms of power, and the employee said, anyone expecting Nintendo to compete on power is foolish, before adding... Although, Nintendo is not purposely building Wii hardware. I feel like that general phrase could basically be applied to almost any Nintendo generation. <laughs> yeah. Like, this this isn't really, you know, anything super significant. Although, you know, the difference is this would technically be, you know, a, a new generation that's still less powerful than the previous generation, as opposed to just being less powerful to the new one. So it's it's um it's slightly different circumstances but overall it's it's the same basic story it's it's what yeah. you expect from nintendo yeah i mean truthfully i don't expect nintendo to ever rejoin the hardware performance arms race i mean they they the one platform that i say really stood head and shoulders above the rest was gamecube and that thing tanked uh but yeah. what i do expect them to do and maybe i should just say this is what i think they definitely ought to do is build a platform that really refines the user experience Uh, especially when it comes to the kinds of things players really just need a console to do. So, you know, a snappy user interface, a versatile controller that you can use for all kinds of games, not just Nintendo games, but other kinds of games, uh, those sorts of things. But um, in particular, I think with NX, and based on what they've said so far, they'll be focusing on things like uh, reducing the friction between people and their games. So, you know, shorter boot times, which we've seen with Wii U with the uh, quick start menu. Uh, better integration with online services, which is probably the one area where Nintendo's really lagging behind compared to their competitors this time. 
Uh, and hopefully on top of that, that whole seamless multi-device integration where you can play your games on all your Nintendo devices, which is really, given the, the way people see platforms nowadays, uh, especially consumer electronics platforms, that's one area where PS4 and uh, Xbox are actually pretty weak. You don't have a lot of uh, cross-gen or cross-platform stuff. I mean, Microsoft's starting to come around with PC and Xbox, but you know, not everyone wants a Windows PC these days. Some people want a Mac. Some people want just a phone. Uh, and you can't expect your console games to play on a phone. And I'll say, I think uh, more than raw power, the issue with uh, Nintendo hardware is just uh, being easy to program on, which it's not. You know, uh, right. PlayStation 4 and Xbox One are, you know, much easier to build a game on PC and then port it to those platforms. Whereas Wii U, you know, it's, 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 it's not quite as strenuous as building a game from scratch, but it's a lot closer than uh, it would be to create a game for Xbox One or PS4. And that's something that's probably not going to change with the next generation, because with NX, that is, because they've already said that it's you know intended to absorb Wii U's architecture. Right. Oh, yeah. and who knows? It, it could be a sort of situation kind of like what we're seeing with Xbox One, where the backward compatibility isn't so, doesn't so much define what the architecture is actually going to be, but it allows them to you know have Xbox 360 backward compatibility. Yeah, and hopefully that's the case. But, you know, I would imagine that that would mean that they'd need relatively strong hardware. But, you know, weaker than PS4 doesn't mean weaker than Xbox One. So, who knows? So, Devil's Third is finally out in Japan and Europe, and as the harsh early previews indicated, reviewers hated it. That's getting terrible scores almost everywhere. It's currently got a 42% on Metacritic. The game's creator, Tomonobu Iragaki, continues to defend the game on his personal Facebook, this time saying that some of the criticism is fair, but most reviewers just didn't have the chance to evaluate the game properly. He specifically points to multiplayer as a place where reviewers playing on review servers won't get nearly as good an experience as players who own the full game and may have the much richer um, online community. You know, I can't technically dispute that because he's right. I don't own the game. I haven't played it. But I can say from looking at it, I'm, I'm not enticed. Yeah. So, Colin, you reviewed Splatoon, right? Did yeah. you feel like multiplayer was something you couldn't fairly evaluate because you were playing on review servers and there weren't uh, a full population of players online? Uh, no. Splatoon, as many of you know, I gave a zero because it's just a god-awful game. Um... <laughs> But it's because I, you couldn't play the multiplayer very well, Well, right? right. That's, that was what I thought. But then I got to when the retail game came out and the full community was there, and I bumped it up to a 1. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> no. Splatoon's great. I gave it a 9 uh, in the review period. It's still, I think, a 9. Um, really awesome game. Don't... I was wildly sarcastic. Um, but you but see where I'm going with this, right? Point is... Oh, absolutely. Point is, you know, that doesn't change things at all. You know, he's really splitting hairs. He's really stretching it, really trying to defend this game where it does not deserve defense. Yeah. And plus, I, I don't I don't see a lot of people with saying that the multiplayer really is what drags down the game. And most of them are saying yeah, it's, no. just a, it's just a terrible game. Yeah. yeah. If anything, people have been saying the multiplayer is kind of fun if, you know, maybe a little bit raw and that the campaign is just awful. Yeah. Yeah. Last week, a new trailer and a bunch of artwork and character renders dropped for The Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes, showing off the game's story and dungeons, as well as a bunch of costumes, characters, and items, and more. I mean, we've got Hammer Bros costume, Ice Climbers, even a Minecraft-style Toon Link. Um, according to the trailer, the game will be broken up into eight areas with four stages each, and we got a look at a new stage, which seems to be a sort of ice cavern, thanks to another batch of screenshots. Um, you can check out the new trailer and all the new images at Gamnesia.com. Um... Game Explained did a nice breakdown. There's also a glimpse at the story of the game, which, as I understand, uh, the princess is really beautiful, 
and the villain of the game puts a magical curse on her where she can only ever wear a black leotard and that for some reason is the story and the reason that the kingdom needs saving and makes the king cry that is so, the most tragic backstory does, is nintendo ever even trying to write stories anymore <laughs> or nintendo is nintendo even trying to make a zelda game Ooh, those are those are fighting words alex Zing. it's a proper whoa word. is that a lead into your um your yeah i mean not really setting aside my distaste for this game i'm actually a pretty huge fan of some of the more traditional costume designs the ones that kind of look like they would belong in a zelda game um which is surprising given that i'm not a fan of most of the artwork um but there's one outfit that looks kind of like an ornate blue version of like standard tunic which is kind of really neat and makes me want them to experiment more with the link tunic look uh and there's also one that looks kind of like a, a jester's outfit which i think is very appropriate for the world of zelda and looks really cool on link and makes me want them to have outfits in zelda wii u as long as they aren't all ridiculously silly um not a fan of the off the wall ones like uh you don't like the cheerleader like the cheerleader <laughs> or the uh or the the sentai soldier but there's there's lollipop chain ball oh god <laughs> goddesses um but there's some there's there's some neat crossover ones which i actually found were pretty cool like the like the hammer bros and like the ice climbers and there's a, like a darunia one which was oh, yeah, which yeah. was nice um that's that kind of stuff is fun but but the yeah no cheerleader yeah i agree with all those points alex um i keep wanting to be excited for this for this game because i really liked four swords adventures i thought it was a you know pretty fun party type game but Every time I see footage of this, it's just like gimmicky puzzle after gimmicky puzzle and not enough combat. And it just, it feels like it's going to get really old to me really fast, just based on what we played at E3, you know, the three of us. Yeah. And I, feel, I feel like the balance of not just puzzle, but the balance of gimmicky puzzle to combat is not. And the where gimmicks I want it. are part of the combat. That's yeah, what yeah, blows exactly. my mind. I mean, it's, it's really odd to me looking at this game, which seems by all accounts, to be a spinoff in the same way that, like, Four Swords was, that, um, I mean, Four Swords Adventures, it looks like it's supposed to be a spinoff, but yet Nintendo is, seems to be promoting it, for the most part, at least, as if it's, like, a full main entry in the core series, um, and the amount of content in the game seems to be going in that direction as well, but the mechanics, the, the gimmicky ideas, Honestly, just the overall quality of the game experience, in my opinion, just does not seem like it's supposed to be a full-on Zelda. And it's depressing given that it's been almost two years since A Link Between Worlds, which was this very, I mean, given it was very derivative of A Link to the Past, but it was a very much a full game. And mm -hmm. I would have loved to see them try to tackle that kind of sort of open world-ish 2.5d zelda experience but with a new world that's not so derivative absolutely uh and yeah. that's not what we got we got well but i mean i th i th to be fair i think it seems to me and i could be totally wrong but it seems to me like this started development as like a spin-off sort of idea and then they just decided to make it bigger and bigger and promote it more um i don't think this is at all supposed to be the like next core zelda game so i don't feel like it's quite fair to treat it that way I'm just having a hard time reconciling like what Nintendo actually wants this to be versus what it actually feels like to play cuz god knows it doesn't it's not going to be as good as the main Zelda adventures but at the same time I feel like I don't feel just in criticizing the game for not being that because I don't think it's supposed to be that. 
Yeah, I mean, we did get Majora's Mask 3D this year, and there's going to be another Mainline Zelda next year, probably. Uh, so they, they, like you said, they probably weren't thinking of this at all as a successor. But at the same yeah. time, it is, you know, a Legend of Zelda branded title. This isn't even like a like a Hyrule Warriors type spinoff where they don't even put the Legend of Zelda in the name. Uh, yeah, and you know, I don't, I don't fault it for not being a. I mean, it's it's technically a main series entry, but I you know I don't I don't fault it for not being like a triple A Zelda. Well, yeah, but experience. so is the original Four Swords. Right. Well, what I'm saying is, I'd be happy. I'd be perfectly fine with it being like Four Swords Adventures. You know, my mm-hmm. complaint is really just the extreme focus on gimmicky puzzles. If it was yeah. a little more combat focused, you know, maybe a little bit little bit more exploration focused, I'd be perfectly fine, and I'd be super pumped to have this you know mm-hmm. spin off Zelda game. But as it is right now, I just I I can't get excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys people who both didn't like Four Swords Adventures? I loved Four Swords Adventures. I love Four Swords really? Adventures. Um, yep. I thought the puzzles were gimmicky, but but actually the the combat's pretty pretty all right. The uh, so, I, don't, I don't necessarily like the stage approach, but the but I thought the way that they t- took on sprite artwork and and sort of classic style gameplay was interesting. So your frustration with Triforce Heroes then is that it it goes too hard on the combat as puzzles kind it's, of thing. It's more coming off a link between worlds. This is not at all anything i would have ever wanted to play or ask for you know i thought we were done with the four swords style co-op i thought i see i thought nintendo so me and alex are each uh, upset about completely different things <laughs> yeah i mean i thought nintendo made a valiant effort with four swords but i thought they were done and i thought they were moving mm-hmm. on to maybe some more modern way of doing co-op that isn't based on mm-hmm. that whole game boy advance connectivity experiment okay uh, but that's not that's not at all what we're getting. We're not getting a full fledged Zelda with co op. We're getting a co op game that happens to have a Zelda skin on top of it. Okay. Now to be clear, you're not faulting Triforce Heroes for that, right? Because that sounds to me like an expectation of something that we're not getting, um, and then faulting the thing that we're getting. I'm for faulting not being the bad. fact that they thought this was a game that was worth making. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> all right. I'm just Alex going right, right below the belt and and saying this is a bad idea. I won't prod any further. I, I think economically, it's a bad idea because Four Swords Adventures, you know, sold terribly. Yeah. But gameplay-wise, I'm fine with another Four Swords-style game. I just don't feel that this is it. This is it? I see. Yeah. I think this falls short of the mark. All right. Interesting. Uh, so, also in Zelda news, Toon Link will be playable in Hyrule Warriors Legends. In an interesting twist, he will not actually be in the story mode. He will just be in the kind of... Uh you know, arcade style uh, replay modes and other modes. That is really odd considering they're specifically adding in Wind Waker elements into the game. Yeah, you'd, you'd think Toon Link would show up to save the day or something, but but no. It's also like, now there are going to be three Links in here, and still no Groose. Yeah. <laughs> Missed opportunities. Still no Groose. That's because they're making a spinoff game just for Groose. Don't worry. Groose Land? The Legend of Groose. Legend of Groose, Return to Groose Land. <laughs> Waluigi will be there too. Oh, please! In fact, that'd be a great premise for a game. A bunch of Nintendo misfits. Anyway, I, I am just, I'm just salivating too much at that idea to even <laughs> come up with something funny to say about it. Give it to me. Miyamoto says that Nintendo's E3 lineup was all about surprising players. Mission accomplished. They did surprise people. <laughs> they surprised people. By delivering so much less new stuff than we expected. They surprised people by delivering so much stuff that was not at all what we expected and especially was not what we wanted. Yeah, it was it was really surprising when Nintendo revealed a new Metroid Prime game that 
looks more like Halo 5 with its Space Marine co-op player characters. Uh, <laughs> and doesn't uh, really look like a Metroid game. Other than, graphically, you know, it does not look like Halo 5. Well, I mean, Space <laughs> Marines. No, I know what you mean thematically, but I'm just poking um, fun at the fact that the game looks terrible graphically. And, uh, yeah, I was a little surprised, uh, you know, when they revealed another cooperative Zelda game that has gimmicky cooperative puzzles and uses the latest edition of A Link to the Past graphics. Yeah, that was a surprise. We all know that Colin is extremely excited for Paper Jam. I was going to say, <laughs> I was surprised that they made that monstrosity. <laughs> um, I was also surprised, this is just from the show floor, but I was also surprised that Chibi-Robo Ziplash wasn't that good. Uh, I like the idea a lot, you but were surprised? it just does not feel very well developed. Did you not see I mean, the Nintendo Direct where it was revealed? I mean... Yeah, I did. He wanted to believe. I that that really is it. I just I wanted to believe it would be good because I love Chibi Robo, and I kept my hopes up, and I shouldn't have. Well, it's weird because having never I've never played Chibi Robo. I'll just be I'll just full disclosure. But when I see the original game, I get a very like Katamari Damashi vibe from it. Mm-hmm. Like it's this very quirky, weird game that you kind of have to play to make sense of. But then when right. I see ziplash or it just looks like a lame it just looks like a lame platformer, platformer that yeah, some kid made in his game development class like i don't know i don't see chibi robo even though chibi robo is in the game yeah it doesn't really have all the personality of chibi robo i i don't know i don't i don't think nintendo understands the point of surprise like they think surprise <sighs> is let's add something new and unexpected to our games but at this point i think people would be most happy to be surprised by how mm-hmm. Nintendo is exceeding their expectations or uh, how Nintendo has somehow topped what they did with the previous game by making, you know, the open world of Zelda bigger and better and not smaller and more linear. Uh, you know, new types of gameplay on top of the same franchise isn't a very surprising approach when that's what they've been doing over and over again, year after year. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, New Super Mario Bros. has really evolved since 2005. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, and, and even then, that wasn't a surprising franchise to begin with. That was a, oh yeah, we're making a new 2D Mario because you guys have asked so nicely. Well, it was pretty surprising. I don't know. It had been 15 years since they made a new 2D Mario game, so it was more a surprise that they hadn't forgotten about 2D Mario than a surprise that I anything mean, well, going yeah. on there was surprising. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... I meant, like, it was a sh- kind of a shock to see, like, oh, my God, they're bringing it back. Yeah. And as always, to conclude the news segment of this week's show, we are bringing you a lightning round with little nuggets of information. If you want to read more about any of the stories we discussed above, I know there were a lot of them, uh, or anything you hear about in the upcoming lightning round, you can check them out at Gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site, and on that page, you can see all these links. Super Mario Maker launches on September 11th, accompanied by a bunch of different console and amiibo bundles for the game. You should think about where you want to pick it up, though, because you can get $20 off another Wii U game by getting Mario Maker at Best Buy. You can get a free Mario Maker Rubik's Cube at Target. I believe other retailers are running other promotions, but none are coming to mind at the moment. Skylander Superchargers launches on the 20th, Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer, and the smaller model new 3DS both launch on the 25th, and LEGO Dimensions on the 27th. Meanwhile, LBX Little Battlers Experience is now available for Nintendo 3DS. It's been getting pretty positive reviews, so if you're looking for a 3DS game to pass the time, check it out. Also, sometime later this month, the Plague of Shadows expansion for Shovel Knight will be released for free for Shovel Knight owners. On the Wii U eShop, both Star Tropics games are now available on the European Virtual Console, and both Sin and Punishment games are now available worldwide. Or almost all of 
everywhere. I something. Uh, <laughs> Versus Excite Bike, which features a track editor, is now available on the Virtual Console in North America, as is Mario Golf for Nintendo 64. And meanwhile, the Gunman Clive HD collection just launched, and so did a game called Runbow, which is a wacky platformer starring an all-star roster of indie characters. People are really loving that game, so if you think you might like Runbow, you should check it out. September 11th also marks the launch of several amiibo, including Olimar, Ganondorf, Zero Suit Samus, both of the 8-bit Mario Maker amiibo, Bowser Jr., which is Toys R Us exclusive, and Dr. Mario, a Target exclusive. The rest of the wave, which is the Rob, Duck Hunt, and Game & Watch 3-pack, launches on September 25th exclusively at GameStop. September 16th, Disney XD will air the Nintendo World Championships from June. Uh, no word yet on whether the official microphones picked up my tears. Uh, October 20th, Gravity Falls Legend of the Gauntlets releases on Nintendo 3DS, and October 30th marks the launch of the Hyrule Edition new 3DS. Finally, Target is running a sale on a bunch of Mario-related stuff, and Amazon's got discounts available for both Mario Kart 8 and Luigi's Mansion 2. These both last until September 12th, I believe, so be quick. Meanwhile, Amazon is selling Captain Toad Treasure Tracker for about 28, 29 bucks. So then we've got some general facts from last week and reminders for you, or the last two weeks rather. Tons of information on Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon includes details about the battle system, uh, there's a new trailer and more. You can watch Nintendo's full Nindies presentation from PAX uh, on our site. Kerbal Space Program is heading to Wii U and Nintendo says that it is the definitive version of the game. Nintendo uses creativity, not cash, to promote and attract indie developers, so they work with the indie developers rather than just throwing money at them. Uh, and finally, an indie studio has just released a new game for the NES, believe it or not. New Star Fox Zero screenshots show off a variety of environments from the game. Nintendo released seven minutes of footage from Chibi Robo Ziplash, as well as a new round of screenshots showing off some of the bosses. Early concept art for Donkey Kong Country shows an arcade-styled Kong family, Kremlings, and more. And some awesome fan art reimagines Pokemon as giant mechs. Really cool stuff. Pokemon Shuffle's microtransactions are more expensive on mobile devices than they are on 3DS. Uh, also in the mobile space, the team behind Mario vs. Donkey Kong, uh, that whole series, is hiring to make mobile games. So it looks like they're going to be Nintendo's prime mobile studio. Xenoblade Chronicles X is getting a special edition release in the U.S., including the game, a USB drive, uh, some like a soundtrack or something. Check out the details if you want. I'm pretty sure it's already sold out everywhere anyway. Um, could be wrong about that. The Bowser Jr. Amiibo will be exclusive to Toys R Us in North America. Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival comes with Isabel and Digby Amiibo. Cut content from Super Mario Sunshine includes a multiplayer mode and more. The Slowpoke song got an official English translation that will enchant you all over again. That's going to be our break music for you. <laughs> a boy with a life-threatening condition got to tour Nintendo's headquarters and play Mario Kart with Reggie fils -Aimé. Activision considered putting Peach, Kirby, and Fox in Skylander Superchargers, but Nintendo said no. Splatoon is outpacing the sales of Super Smash Bros. U in Japan. Europe is getting a nostalgic goodbye coin as its final club Nintendo reward. Mario wreaks havoc in Grand Theft Auto in a hilarious fan video that you can watch. And uh, finally, uh, Miyamoto and Tezuka explain how the World 1-1, the famous level from Super Mario Bros., was created. And as a bonus, they give some tips on how to design good levels in Super Mario Maker. Um, so that's all for this week's news segment. <sighs> that was a long, long lightning round. But stay tuned. We're going to be talking about a couple games coming up. So listen in. Every night you're the one dreams of waking with the sun, but you sleep in till noon. 
back with more Nintendo Week. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as I'm joined, as always, by Alex Plant. Hey. And Ben Lemoreau. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, so we're going to be talking about a couple of games that have released recently or gotten reviews recently. There's Pokemon Shuffle, uh, Mario Maker, um, and as well as the future of Nintendo Directs in a post Iwata world. So let's just jump right in. Pokemon Shuffle is now available on iOS and Android devices. Um, there's a launch trailer to go along with it, if any of you guys are interested in, in watching that. Um, but yeah, this game started on 3DS. It was pretty clearly designed at that point to be a mobile game, or at least with a lot of the same sensibilities of a mobile game. It was free to play. It was based around microtransactions for the profitability. Of course, you can play the game without spending any money, but now it's available on mobile devices. What do you guys think? Yeah, so I downloaded it and I've been playing it. I never played it on uh, 3DS at all. So this is, you know, my first experience with it. And I think they do, you know, a pretty good job of, you know, throwing some elements in it and, you know, some nice appealing graphics and stuff to to make it fun and to make it kind of an engaging experience. But at the end of the day, it's it's still just a game where you, you know, line up three Pokemon faces to make combos. And it to me the the gameplay gets old pretty quick. Oh, I really like and it. And Okay. <laughs> no, it's 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 not that no, I don't no, like I it. Know. I think it's I think it's pretty fun, but I it's not engaging enough that I would be willing to spend money on it. Yeah. And if you don't spend money on it, then you can only play for like a little bit before you're just like you you kind of yeah. stuck. You have to wait for, you know, your hearts yeah. to replenish or whatever. So it's 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 not engaging enough that I would ever put money into it. And without putting money into it, it's just not a deep enough deep deep enough experience for me. Well, so my play style is a little different. I tend to play like one or two levels at a time, just like on the walk uh somewhere or uh you know if i want to take a break from working um you know i'll play just a couple levels just a quick little thing um and so my hearts replenish faster than i actually use them up so i'm always got like five hearts going for me so i've been a lot fonder i think of that kind of play style than i would be if i were binging five hearts for 10 minutes and then going off and doing other stuff, having to wait for them to replenish in order to... I never find that I have to wait for more uh, turns. I always... You're probably playing it a lot more the way it's intended to be played than I am. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of where I was going to say. It's, this is a game very much designed for the modern mobile gamer. Yeah. It's it's not designed to be played like the games you normally play. Right. Yeah, it's right. it's just... A, it's, not a, it's not a deep enough experience for me. Like I said, they do interesting things to sort of keep you engaged, but the gameplay never... Well, at least from what I've played, I've played like, I don't know, like 25 levels maybe. And uh, the gameplay never really gets that more well, interesting, that much more interesting. I mean, me. that's what mobile games are. Right. And I, I, I'm hoping like, that from, you know, Nintendo's, you know, actually like Nintendo produced games rather than just, you know, uh, game free produced or Pokemon company. Yeah, I'm hoping story. that they'll have a little more depth to them because this, this isn't enough to keep me engaged to where I would ever consider, you know, paying money for it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it necessarily has to. I think the the more gradual play style is what they're going for. I mean, in that sense, I think they've done a really, really good job uh, <clears throat> building a game, as Alex said, for the modern mobile gamer. 
Um, I mean, I right. think it fits really well into uh, my mobile play style, and I think it'll fit really well into other people's mobile play styles. Um, I think, for the most part, really good showing all around. I think they could do a better job giving you more jewels for free. Um, like, you can't get pretty much any jewels without paying money. Um, jewels, for those of you who've played Pokemon Shuffle, you'll know... Those just basically give you uh, extra bonuses for stuff. Like, you can replenish hearts with them yeah, and stuff I've, like that. I've played, like I said, like 25 levels or something like that, and I've been given Yeah, those jewels. apparently, yeah. As, <laughs> what I hear is those are the only jewels you get in the entire game. Oh, good. Or at least until, like, 100 levels or something like that. That's really the cardinal sin for me, because momentum is really huge for mm -hmm. me with games like this, where you're, <clears throat> the levels are pretty much done in 30 seconds to a minute. Um, so I need to be able to play more than, like, five levels yeah uh 10 10 would be good 10 would be better um or like but... seven or eight i think would be a good compromise right exactly um but yeah i mean the 3ds game gave you jewels basically i think after every 10 stages i didn't get too deep into it because i knew it was going to come to mobile and, and mm -hmm. i just didn't it's it's not an interesting enough game to want to sit down and play it in a dedicated way on 3ds and you know as ben said if you try to play it in a dedicated way it's just gonna you know you're gonna be stuck for a little bit um <clears throat> So I will say though, I hope this isn't a business model that they use for other games. I hope other games aren't so much the hamster wheels or the uh, plug in your quarters arcade style business model. It, I hope other games are more of the you you get a set amount of content and then maybe you can uh, buy add on packs or whatever. So next up on our list, Super Mario Maker reviews came out. Uh, the game comes out this Friday, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's getting great reception. Eights, nines, tens all across the board. I gave it an eight. Um, I mean, I think it's amazing for all the reasons that we expect it to be amazing, but um, I think there are a couple things that really bring it down. Um, no slopes, for example. All of your ground tiles have to be the square things. That really ruins a lot of interesting ideas um, that Mario has had going for it since Super Mario Bros. 3. Um, <clears throat> I think that's really strange that they omitted those. There are no checkpoints, which is really frustrating, especially in a game where there are going to be a million really, really difficult levels. Um, you want to make things, like, a bit easier for players. Um, so there are just a couple of missions like that that really, uh, their, their absence is heavily felt. Um, you know, and hopefully this is something that, you know, Nintendo sees the community talking about, because there are, you know... A decent amount of people talking mm -hmm. about it you know a lot of people already even though the game isn't out you know doing let's plays or you know uploading right. their levels to youtube well i'm inclined like to think that there'll be like dlc or something right you know that's what i'm like thinking that. well i'm i'm hoping rather than dlc in the paid sense that it would just be like a patch that adds some things i in. see but it, as long as it's really affordable dlc i i guess i won't complain too much but i don't right. like the idea of having to pay for diagonal ground yeah for sure <laughs> Um, there's also the online infrastructure. I mean, I don't think any of us expected it to be very robust. Um, but I also took a little bit of an issue with the online infrastructure. It's just not very good. I mean, it gets the job done for sharing levels, but otherwise, like, it, there are so many hoops you have to jump through in order to comment on courses. Um, following level creators, I believe, doesn't even give you a feed of the levels that they make. You just have an easy access menu. Uh, I can't... Like... I haven't followed very many people, and the people that I have followed don't really upload levels very much, so this is mostly what I've heard from other people. And the big thing for me uh, that's a negative about this thing is um, when you upload a level, that's the level. You cannot, you get user feedback in the comments, uh, you'll see where people are dying, but you will not be able to edit those places and then 
update the level. You'll have to upload that as a completely new level, completely disassociated from any of the feedback you got before, from any of the comments, from any of the stars you got, which is really frustrating, especially when you can only upload like 10 levels at a time. Um, and, you know, it would be really nice to have this feature where you can sort of revise your level, update it, have see this sort of revision history and how the level has been shaped uh, through user feedback and sort of go back and play like the older versions of the levels and let other people do that too. You know, a system like that, I th was expecting to happen and they've completely shut out any possibility of that. They don't let you re-upload courses that you've downloaded from the course world. That's what they call the online system um, and edited. So you can't, you can't put new twists on other people's levels and then upload them as like remix levels um, as sort of a spin side thing that deviates from the original. You know, instead of accrediting the main level to the original creator and then giving you a sort of remix thing, it just will not let you upload it at all. Um, so there are features like that that I think really, they don't ruin the community aspects of the game, but they, if they were included, it would, it would fulfill these community-oriented goals that it has a lot better. Really bizarre, too. Yeah. I think it would be pretty cool if you could, uh, you know, see all the revision histories and things like that, but I can understand why Nintendo doesn't allow that just because that could uh if they don't put some restrictions on that you know there could be people that go in and you know make all kinds of little edits to their level and then you know it just takes up a lot of space and you know that could be a bit of a hassle to nintendo but i do think that you should be able to at least update your levels maybe not allow people to go yeah. back and play the previous versions but you know people should be able to, you should be able to update your levels and people should always be able to play the new version if you know like uh if you've already downloaded yeah, instead the of having to go the, to the uh... creator and then find the new version right right like just having the ability to like download a, a patch to any level that you've already you know downloaded this is why nintendo can't have minecraft on their platform <laughs> i mean this this seems like a basic level editor sort of feature especially if you're going to have an online component um mm -hmm. so yeah that's really weird so I don't want to I don't want to harp on Mario Maker too much. I was just noting the yeah. I mean, like that, I that doesn't it. break the I, game I mean, by any yeah. means. Yeah. Otherwise, right? I mean, it's it's obviously a really fantastic game. Yeah, I'm very excited. for Yeah. It. Um, what they do, they do great. You can mix and match so much fun stuff. Um, I mean, I've been having a great time. With I might it. have to buy an external hard drive for it because I'm just gonna want to make a thousand levels. I mean, you'll you have a Wii U. You're gonna need to buy an external hard drive. <laughs> I'll just have to delete every other game I own. Uh, while we're on the topic, about how much space do each of the courses take up, do you know? I mean, I haven't noticed. Okay. Any, like, I, I, what I imagine is the game has its allotment of space, and then yeah. the the games sort of fill that, or the courses sort of fill that up. That's probably or true. At, or at the very least, just hardly take up any space at all, because the game, I'm sure, was programmed to uh, use its own assets to... But anyway, uh, that I haven't done digging in the, in the save files to see... Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Ben. I don't want to... There's there's so much DLC that I'm sure is coming out soon for a bunch of games, and then I don't want yeah, to add I mean, this my, to the list. My Wii U is, like, stuffed almost full. Like, I had to delete a couple games to get Mario Maker on there, but making courses, that has not given me any trouble. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so, finally, we're going to talk about the future of Nintendo Directs in a post-Iwata world. Uh, now, naturally, this podcast has had a ton of news in it. I mean, we've talked about Pikmin 4. We've talked about um, potential Smash Bros. DLC. We've talked about... Xenoblade Chronicles Special Edition, we've talked about uh, tons of Super Mario Maker stuff, we've talked about Devil's Third, um, oh, Hyrule Warriors Legends, Triforce Heroes, the exclusive, the new 3DS bundles, there's so, so much that seems like it would have been announced in a Nintendo Direct. Um, you know, like, this is definitely a Nintendo Direct 
level of news in terms of the amount, in terms of the scale, but obviously no Nintendo Direct. Um, so that kind of, we're kind of wondering what the future of Nintendo Directs will be in a post-Iwata world. Uh, there are a couple interesting things to mention. One is that Liam Robertson of Unseen64, um, now this is just a, this was just from a tweet, so don't quote anyone on this, but he said that he was talking to someone who was unsure whether Nintendo Directs will continue in the future. Um, also, a job listing from Nintendo mentions Nintendo Directs. Now, two things to note here is this is basically just a, their generic copy-pasted job description for that position. So it could mean nothing. It could just mean that they copy-pasted it in. Or it could mean everything. It could mean that they are still looking for people to work on Nintendo Directs. I'm not going to draw any specific conclusions from that. But the point is, that is a lot of news that was not in a Nintendo Direct. Would have made an amazing Nintendo Direct. And when they were really so strongly associated with WADA, we're kind of left wondering, what is the future of Nintendo Directs? Yeah, the, the strong association with Iwata is the, is the biggest question mark for me because I feel like so much of the Nintendo Direct spirit came from his trademark style with his his hand gestures and yeah. his and his his mannerisms and, and, and all that. Um, those are those are a big part of the nostalgia. Yeah, we even saw like Sakurai emulate that. Right, right. <laughs> so many of the people who have taken over for him for an episode or two have, have done the sort of the same kinds of things. And I just don't. I, I know a lot of people have done the host role, but I just don't see the host role, at least not this kind of like general Nintendo update show. I don't see that really being able to continue in its current form uh, unless. You know, they they change the style a bit. In which case, would it even make sense to be a Nintendo? Call it a Nintendo Direct anymore. Plus, we've seen a lot of videos since then that haven't been Nintendo Directs, but have been sort of more, I guess, custom to each game. Uh, like there's a Super Mario Maker or Super Mario Maker overview video. There was a the Xenoblade Chronicles X survival guide, and all of those I feel were very well done and communicated a lot of the information you normally see in a Nintendo Direct. But they weren't like this long show that you kind of have to sit through and get through all this news that you don't care about. It's really just the news that you want to, you want to see. Well, the question then is, you know, how will they promote games like Xenoblade Chronicles if they're just putting out those sole videos for the people who want to see them and not promoting them alongside, you know, more dedicated shows where they show off, for example, Smash Bros. DLC. Everybody's going to be watching those and putting Yeah, you know, like I think Xenoblade. that's part of the, the magic of Nintendo Directs is, you know, all the great games that people already know about and are excited about, and you can, you know, put them alongside sort of the hidden gems and things like that. So I'm of the opinion, you know, maybe they change up the format a little or, you know, change up hosts regularly or something, but I'm of the opinion that they should keep doing Nintendo Directs. They can still do some of those other videos, you know, like Alex was talking about, but I, I think you still should have a, a core Nintendo Direct presence, you know, maybe maybe not as frequently as before, but I think it really was a, you know, a pretty interesting tool to really keep the Nintendo faithful informed on a lot of different topics. I mean, yeah, they, they worked so well and people love them so much. I can't imagine they would completely abandon that format. Um, they do, I think, need to do more. You know, they can't just say, we had a Nintendo Direct, therefore the public knows about what we're doing. Because those are only going to appeal to core Nintendo fans. I think we've talked about this on the show before. But, um, you know, they did work so well for core Nintendo fans. I can't imagine they would want to abandon that formula. Um, at the very least, I would imagine some sort of farewell direct that has, like, the latest batch of Smash Bros. content and has, you know, a send-off, like, tri- like, an official Nintendo tribute for Iwata um, and has a sort of goodbye message from just the brand of Nintendo Direct. Yeah. 
And even if they do continue, maybe this is the opportunity to kind of rely less on them, like you were saying, um, yeah. and, and rely more on those other channels, especially since there was a world before Nintendo Directs, and so they don't, they're not necessarily essential. They're just something we've become attached to. Right. Um, what I'm going to miss more than Nintendo Directs are the Iwata Asks interview segments. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, those were fun to read. Yeah, and, yeah, and they get a lot of really interesting background on games. Yeah. Right. And they weren't necessarily always he didn't necessarily always ask questions that I necessarily wanted the answers to, but but it was it was good to see a developer talking to another developer and mm-hmm. and sort of see what their mentality was and how the, and how the work environment is in Nintendo and and see the sorts of questions that the boss wants to ask. Yeah. Uh that was always really interesting. Um and Iwata is just a, a such a fun laid back guy. It was it's it's always funny to see his reactions to his employees' attitudes. He was extremely cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Um, well, sounds like we're out of talking points for these I'm too three sad subjects. To talk more. So, oh, it's okay, Alex. I'll give you a big hug. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is the end of Nintendo Week for today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. It really helps with visibility, so we greatly appreciate it, especially if you have good things to say instead of bad ones. Uh, we're at about 23 reviews right now. Let's try to make it to 30. Uh, awesome goals. Teamwork. Uh, if you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show, so it's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com, C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A dot com. And if you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We've got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. Believe me, there was a lot of it. Um, So thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week. It's so nice not, like, giving a crap about collecting Amiibo. (laughs) (laughs) My life is so much less stressful because of that. Oh, die.